You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Cummins. You know, we're all on this grand journey, becoming who God made us to be. And that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear stories of fellow warriors becoming who God made them to be. And you'll discover resources designed to equip you on your own becoming journey. So grab your favorite cup of coffee or tea, and let's dive into today's episode. Well, hey, everybody. I'm so excited to introduce you to a new friend of mine, Riley. Riley, welcome to BecomingMe.tv. Thank you. (laughs) Have you. Y'all, I literally, so Riley and I have not met in real life. We are social media friends, but the second I came across her Instagram and then some of the resources that she's providing, my immediate thought was, could we be digital BFFs? (laughs) because I feel like you are my sister. Like you are so amazing. And um, as I have dove into your story, I'm inspired. And I know that our Becoming Me.TV audience will be inspired as well. So let's dive in with the biggest question of all, who is Riley? (laughs) That is such a great question. And I want to start by saying, I like, I was thinking about this question before you answered. And I'm like, you know, how do I answer this question? Because that, that is, that is one of the best questions in life. And I was like, you know, the first and foremost to answer that question is my identity is first a beloved daughter of God. And from everything else, every miracle, every other part of me, both beautiful and messy, that first stems from the fact that I am a daughter of God. But like beyond that, so I was born in London. I, but then my family spent some time living in America then I moved to New Zealand and I grew up in New Zealand on a farm. We had like chickens and sheep and horses and it was a riot. I had such a fun childhood. And about three years ago, I moved from New Zealand to America, to Los Angeles to do my master's in global leadership. And so that that's been my last few years, but like outside of that, I do practice mixed martial arts and I fight UFC fighters. <laughs> um, I'm a professional, like an ex-professional horse rider. I grew up in the church. I love public speaking. And so I actually started preaching to my dolls when I was five years old and I would like line my dolls up and had a little sermon that I had written on a napkin. <laughs> And I would be like, my favorite sermon was called, are you a doer or a butter? Meaning like you either do for God or you say, but God, what about this? And then afterwards I would have an altar call. And so I'd like lift all my dolls hands up in the air. And so that was like the moment from that age onwards when I knew I loved words. I love public speaking, but most importantly, I love speaking if it reflected God's heart and brought more of God's heartbeat on earth. I love that. Literally, that's probably one of the best stories I've ever heard. Like, this is so good. I was similar in that 
like from an early age, I loved writing. I've grown to love public speaking, but um, I was the kid who like wrote newsletters to all of my little friends and we had like games and articles. And I'm like, I look back at this stuff. I'm like, what in the world? Did you ever try to sell it? I have not. I was like, I was wondering if there was like a little entrepreneur and young you that was like, I'm going to write, but I'm also going to like make some sense off this. <laughs> I love how like from early on, God weaves things into our story that like later become a big part of who we are. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And even just if we think about like how God's desire was like, our desire was actually God's first and he implanted it in us. So I'm sitting here praying, God, would you help me write a book? God, would you help me speak? And I'm and God's like, yeah, sure. Cause that was the, the gift I gave you. I gave you that passion to want to do those things in the first place. Mm, that is so good. And it's so true. So you've referenced a couple parts of your story and I would love for you right now to just unpack your story. What has made Riley who Riley is today? Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of the most pivotal moments of my life that defined who I was, was like probably my biggest molding shaping event of my life happened in 2004. So our family had just spent the last few weeks, it was around Christmas time and the weeks leading up to Christmas, we had gone and were working in an orphanage that rescued girls out of the sex trade. And we had been there for the previous, like, I think it was five Christmases by that point. So we loved this community, but it was pretty, it was pretty full on. We're working pretty hard. And afterwards we were like, our family was like, okay, we need a break. We need a holiday. And so we went and stayed on this island and it was like a beautiful resort island island with palm trees and like buffet breakfasts it was so much fun and we're we're staying there for this holiday for vacation for a few weeks and all of a sudden the day after christmas we wake up to an earthquake and i remember thinking you know is my sister under my bed like shaking my bed right now and i jumped out i literally looked under and i'm like there's no one there and then i'm on the ground and the ground is shaking and i'm like it's an earthquake. So I run up to my mom and I'm like, what's going on? Like, are we okay? And she's like, no, we're fine. We're okay. And she went to the reception and asked and the reception at the hotel was like, it's just an earthquake. You don't need to worry about it. Keep going on with your day. So we carry on with our day. We have breakfast. We're hanging out. It's a beautiful sunny day. And this is like a small island. And it, it just has like the hotel in the middle, but it's flat in the middle with all the palm trees and two large hills on either side. And so about midday, my sisters and I are playing on the beach and all of a sudden, all the water in the beach leaves and it leaves so quickly that the fish are flopping around everywhere and people have no idea what's going on. I mean, we have no idea. I'm 10 years old at this point. I don't know what's going on. And people start like running out into the ocean to pick up the fish. Some people are like frozen. Some people are running and banging into each other and my mom, I remember hearing her voice in the, in the back of my head and she's shouting like, run, run. And she's looking out into the horizon. And in the horizon is this thin white line, but it's getting larger and larger by every second. And it was a 75 foot tsunami heading at our island at a rapid speed. And so my mom and dad just gather my sisters up together. My dad has one sister. My mom has the other sister and I'm the oldest. So I'm running behind them. And God was just in the details of everything because the day before my mom and I had gotten lost and we found a pathway up one of the hills that I set on either side of the island. And then 
just like even if the if the tsunami had struck an hour afterwards, my parents were booked and had paid to go rock climbing so they could have survived. So anyway, we're in amidst this. The tsunami is rushing at us at the island. It's getting quicker and quicker and quicker. This like life-threatening, life-taking tsunami. So we run to the other side of the island thinking, you know, it takes two minutes to run from one side of the island to the other. We run to that side thinking, Maybe if we ran on this side, we'd be okay, only to realize that the tsunami was just so large, it was coming at us from almost like it felt like all directions, heading in to the coast, the mainland of Thailand. And so we start running up that path that we had found the day before. And as we're running, the tsunami is like on our feet. In other words, like the grips of death was as close as the screen is to my face right now. And we managed to run as high as we possibly can. The wave just passes us. And that day, three waves struck and 260, 100,000 people died. And I just remember once I got to the top of the hill and we got as high as we possibly could out of the grips of the tsunami, I dropped down to my knees and I prayed. I'm a 10-year-old girl not knowing what's going on, not really fully understanding the amount of devastation and death that's happening. I dropped to my knees and I was like, God, I need you. I need you right now. I don't understand this, but I know that I know you. And in that moment, I felt God like a blanket, like this tangible experience that I, I haven't like ever felt something that powerful to this day in my entire life. And God just came like a blanket of peace and wrapped around me like a mother hugging its child and held me in that moment. And even though devastation was happening. I knew that God had me, that he held me, that he saw me, that he loved me, and that he was going to take care of me. And so ever since that day, the story kind of extends more because we were stuck on the island for a week with pretty limited food and water. And we ended up getting rescued by World Vision. And and God was in amidst the process of my healing and just his, him forming me after that event happened in such an intimate relationship that I have with him. But I think that day gave me the gift that like, it gave me a gift that every day is a present that like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, when you have a near death experience like that, you have a revelation that your life is so precious and what a miracle it is that you breathe. And so the question I started to ask after that day was what am I going to then use with this gift of life that I have? How can I best use it to glorify God, the one who rescued me, the one who sees me, the one who loves me? And so fast forward about like several years later, I'm like working at a charity. I had a good life. I'm living in New Zealand. I'd lived there for like probably 12 years now. And I felt God calling me to move to Fuller Seminary in Los Angeles and do my master's. But the master's program, um, the average age of the program, the person in the program was 50 and it required 20 years full-time leadership experience. And, and I was just like, no, I feel like this is my next step. And I really felt like God's pull. And it just like, I just knew it was mine. And so I applied to this program and they actually got back to me and they're like, sorry, we can't, we can't accept you. you don't have the age nor experience. And I ended up sitting there and I was crying because I'm sure people who are watching this right now know that feeling when you're like, you were convinced it was yours, but then it was a no. Like when man says no, but God says yes. And, and my mentor was like, Riley, this is when man says no, but God says yes, it's time to fight. Like you need to fight this so that the next person behind you can, can do this master's program that is the same age as you. Like smash this door so someone else can walk 
threw it behind you. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up like protesting and like got Harvard and Princeton to email this university on my behalf. I got all my mentors to email this university and I just kept, I kept at it, but I just decided, you know what? I know this is mine, even though it, reality doesn't make sense but faith is stepping out when reality doesn't make sense and it is the unknown and so I packed my bags I quit my job and I moved to America and two weeks after moving to America I found out I got in oh my goodness what a step of faith <laughs> like that's incredible and where are you in your story now yeah, so at the, my master's program, had, I officially graduated on Saturday. <laughs> so it's a master's in global leadership, and it was just, it's been an amazing experience. I think academically, I knew it would be hard because there was a lot of pressure as being so, someone being so young, but I never could have predicted the character development that happened through it. But God is such a God that he sees your character before he sees your comfort. Mm -hmm. And I just learned so much about mentorship, about leadership. And I've just been so blessed to be surrounded by people who are seasons ahead of me. And that difference of me being so in my early 20s and them being in their like one man is in his 60s. There's something beautiful about those two ages working alongside each other, studying and talking and discussing alongside each other that really shaped who I was today. And so I graduated and what holds next in my next season of my life is entirely God's. I just feel like I'm wrapped in so much peace, even though it's the unknown. But like I always say, the quality of your life is directly linked with how much uncertainty you can comfortably handle. Let me say that again, because it's quite a lot. Girl. The quality of your life is directly linked with how much uncertainty you can comfortably handle. And I just think that there's something, my favorite place in life is to be in that uncomfortable, uncertain, unknown faith zone, but that requires us leaving our comfort zone. And, and what is required of us is courage as we step out. We just need like even the smallest amount of courage to step and be like, I'm going to make that decision. I'm going to text that person. I'm going to end this or whatever it may be in your life that you feel like God's pulling you out to, but it's such an uncertain uncomfortable moment that there there's the miracles happen once you step out and so I as I wait for God to tell me exactly what's happening in this next season I know that I mean I public speak so I know that that will continue and writing a book and creating like platforms for empowerment for singleness I love it and I love even from the beginning of your story that you had that encounter with Jesus and it really seems like that has become this rooted force for everything you do and that you're able now to handle all of that uncertainty and take those steps of faith because you know that God is with you like that blanket even today. And I just think that's a beautiful picture and that intimacy that you have with Jesus I mean, I love that. I have goosebumps. So thank you for sharing your story. Um, you know, if you were encouraging somebody else on their own becoming journey, they're becoming who God made them to be, what would you say to them? Well, I think the one thing I would say to them is your greatest treasure in life is your time. And I think that if you're wanting to become something, you hang out with that something just as, as much as you may know already how influential your friends are in your life. Like, have you ever been in a season where you're hanging out with friends that aren't empowering you or aren't pushing you closer to God and you realize how much that changes you? It's like, I could try to breathe underwater, but I'm not made to breathe underwater, but I'm made to breathe. 
Mm-hmm. So your environment is so effective and powerful to the to the result in which you're hoping for. If I'm trying to breathe, but I'm underwater, it's not the right environment. But I try to breathe as I'm above water, that's the right environment. And so I say all that, and I think the one thing that I've learned in my journey is if I want to become more like the person that God wants me to, and more like God, then I need to hang out with God. And I know that that sounds so, so simple, but we, like, I, I, I think one thing that's really helped me is in, in order to, like, safeguard and encourage me to spend more time with God has been my habits. Mm-hmm. And like, I have one mentor who says like, tell me your habits, I'll tell you your future. Or like, uh, because I believe if you want to change something about you, change what you do daily. And so I put certain habits in my life to safeguard and prioritize time with God. And so something as simple as I do FaceTime before phone time. So FaceTime with God before phone time. So I wake up in the morning, instead of being like rushing to my phone, I make sure that I spend time with Jesus. Or another thing I do is I practice Sabbath. So once a week for 24 hours, I turn all my screens off. I turn my phone, my laptop, I don't even watch TV. And I sit there and I spend time with God. I read poetry or whatever it may be. And just because that's like an allocated time of rest, but rest in God and rest with God. And I also like make sure that I, because sometimes God speaks to us and sometimes God teaches us not just through our quality time with him, but quality time with people who are like him. And so I'm a huge advocate of mentors. I have a mentor. I call them my board of directors. So it's like a mentor for every area of my life. And, and there's, there's so much a part of them that it reflects God and I want to be like. And so I'm like intentionally pursuing, you know, I meet up with probably three mentors a week, which sounds like a lot, but if I'm willing to spend as much time with my friends, can I not give as much time to God and to like, to my mentors, or even just think of the stat about how I was reading this article the other day and I was saying, we touch our phones 2,600 times a day. I'm like, if, if I let myself touch my phone that much, can I not let God touch my mind that much? That's good. <laughs> yeah, so I think, and I was also, I was writing something this morning, and I said, we cannot attain the presence of God. We are already totally in the presence of God. What is absent is our awareness. And, and God is with you wherever you go. And I know that that sounds so cheesy, but it's it's something as simple as, being like, God, where are you right now? Stop. I've had a crazy day at work. I'm going to stop and breathe. And as I breathe, I realize it's his breath in my lungs. And just simply closing my eyes and pausing in that moment, I'm connecting with God. Because what I said is what's absent is our awareness. But God's presence is all around us. He knows the number of hairs we have on our head. He knows our thought before we say it. He just like, he knows so much more and he loves you more than you can ever imagine. And so something that's so important is that, like I said, time, habit, and then also just awareness of his presence that never leaves us. I love that. It's so tangible and something that really all of us can apply. You know, Riley, one other question I thought of as you were sharing, if someone was listening and they're like, man, that board of directors thing, that's a really good idea. (laughs) Um, Would you mind sharing what are areas of your life that you have a person on your board of directors? And then second, if somebody wasn't sure how to start finding a mentor or someone to be on their own board, how would you encourage them to find a mentor? Yeah. Okay. So the first part of the question is I have a mentor for character, relationship, writing, 
career and finance and physical. So I have a lot of, <laughs> I have a lot of, so like something on someone like my financial mentor, I only probably meet up with him once every, um, oh, and also my spiritual. Um, I probably meet with my financial once every six months, okay. but he's someone who he really reflects God's heart when it comes to his finances. But these are mentors because I've chosen these people because I really feel like they're gifted and cold and wise in, in an area of their life. And, and, and so I'm wanting them to speak into that area of my life. And so I meet regularly with my spiritual mentor, my character and my writing mentor. So out of those three, and my writing mentor is kind of, he also gives career advice, mm -hmm. but I am just so thankful for them because my theory in life is that we should have 33% of people who are at our level. So like your friends, the people who are doing life with you, 33% of people who are below you. So people you are mentoring that you are pulling up and then you're empowering and you're speaking into and 33% of people who are above you that they're speaking into you and they're pulling you up. And I feel like in life, at least what I've noticed, we spend a lot of time with our middle level, like people who are at our level or sometimes even people relative to like how much you're aware of your own self-esteem as you might be spending a lot of time with people who are, you're investing so much into. And so I, I think that that's up for half. The mentors is so powerful and so life-changing. And then the second part of your question is like, you're sitting here and you're watching this and you're like, well, that sounds all great, but what does it look like to get a mentor? How can I find one? I would encourage you to one, be observant, sit back, look in your life and be like, who? Who do I like hang out with? Maybe even if it's like once every six months and every time I'm with them, I'm like, I want to be just like you. And I think as we start this um, journey of finding mentors, I would start recommended start with a character mentor, because I think that's probably one of the most important and influential. And so look in your life and be like, who inspires me? Um, usually at the beginning, I go with someone who's the same sex as me. So like I, my first ever mentors were always women because I think there's something easy about that and relatable. And so look in your life and be like, kind of maybe someone who's like a big sister role. Yeah. And then what I do is I reach out to them, ask them out for coffee and be like, and encourage them because you know, they, you pick them for a reason, call that reason out and be like, Hey, I see this in your life and I'm so inspired by it. Can we grab coffee? And I want to learn more and go to that coffee meeting or whatever it may look like FaceTime meeting with questions. What specifically be intentional about it? You know, like honor them by, by preparing yourself. My parents say blessing, planning precedes blessing. When we plan, we set ourselves up to bless. We also set that other person up to be blessed. So prepare questions. And then if there's just like this natural chemistry and flow of conversation between you and that person, and you're like, yes, the more I get to know this person, the more I want to be like them, then message them like a day later and be like, Hey, would you consider mentoring me? But what is your time frame like and work within their time frame? So if they only have the availability to meet once a month, amazing. Meet with them as much as they can. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. Amazing. And it really breaks it down into a very tangible step that people can take. You know, you mentioned one of the things that you're passionate about in this season is building platforms and resources that are helping and equip people. And one of those is how I found you. It's called Riley and Riley. So tell me a little bit about Riley and Riley. What is it? How did it start? Give us all the details. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Riley and Riley is because my name's Riley, but my 
best friend's name. His name is Riley as well. I'm R-I-L-E-Y and he's R-Y-L-I-E. And we are both so passionate about singleness, especially because 56% of Americans are single. And yet the church, especially because I said earlier, I grew up in the church. So I was a pastor's kid and I was very aware of the stereotypes and questions that singles get asked. And even if you come from an environment outside of the church, I know you feel that pressure if you're anything over the age of 25. People are like, why are you single? Or like, they might assume that something's wrong with you or that singleness is seen as a wait, like a season of waiting. Mm -hmm. And it's not actually seen as an alternative pathway, or at least it isn't in the mainstream as an alternative pathway of life and a baseline of life. And yet the Bible presents the argument that there is two baselines of life. One is marriage and one is singleness. And actually the author prefers singleness because of the freedom. And yet I just feel like there's lies and myths around singleness that my, I'm very passionate to debunk and speak into. And I also think that when singleness is an incredible baseline in order to know yourself, to know God, to build healthy friendships. And I think that, especially if you're watching this and you have the desire to be married, I once, one of my mentors, he runs this massive church and he told me this story about how people kept coming into his office with marriage problems and they would be like another one after another one. And he sat there and he, he, he kind of just had enough and he turned to one of the couples and he was like, you know what, everything that you're saying right now is not a marriage problem, it's a singleness problem. And imagine how much if we took the season or the baseline of singleness and we were intentional, as intentional as we are about marriage. I mean, it's sad when you look at churches and you think that there's marriage workshops, but where are the singleness workshops? And yet half of our congregation or population is single mm-hmm. I just think that there's this lack of voice and empowerment that you can be single and whole that you can be single and empowered and that you're not missing out on anything in fact you have the time and the freedom to really f- chase your dreams that it isn't this waiting that it's this active pursuit of the passions that you have in life Awesome. I love it. And I love what you guys are doing at Riley and Riley. So if someone wanted to connect and check out all of your resources, Mm -hmm. how can we find you guys? (laughs) Great question. So we are at our very baby stages of this whole um, community. We want to call it a community because that's our heart. We want to create a space where we have these intentional conversations around singleness and try to figure out how we can change culture. And so our first what we're doing right now is Instagram and it's called at Riley and Riley. So R-I-L-E-Y and A-N-D-R-Y-L-I-E. And we, on that platform, we post every day quotes and then we go live once a week and post videos, but we're very like proactive on our messages. And we've already had so many messages of people being like, you know, what do I say back to a person when they're like, oh, why are you single? Or how do I deal with this situation? And so like, and as, and as we grow, we, we dream of like writing books and starting conferences and just, just creating more and more spaces because honestly, it's not about Riley and Riley. It's about God and you and what that singleness season is about. And so we are just like the chosen catalysts and just to create these spaces and what those spaces are created. I'm just like, God, do your thing. Like 
feel through this because I am just, I think that there's just this lack of a community needed for people who are single. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. And it is a great community. We will have the link in the posts. You guys can easily find Riley and Riley. We'll also have a link to Riley's website so you can check out her blog um, and even follow along her story even more. So Riley, thank you so much for sharing your story, how you're becoming who God made you to be. I know I'm encouraged and the Becoming Me.TV community is encouraged as well. So I'm cheering you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I just love I love the passion and the idea behind this because your identity is not simply something that's a creation, it's a discovery. And you're encouraging people to not just understand that they were, just as my phone might be created to do certain things, I'm discovering what it's made to do. And I think that's what your community and platform is doing, helping people understand that discovery of what my identity and what does it look like to become God. So I just wanna encourage you and say thank you. Thanks, girl. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Becoming Me podcast. If this episode connected and resonated with you, we would love to see your experience. So snap a photo of this episode and share on social media. Don't forget to tag us by tagging at Emily B. Cummins. Learn more about becomingme.tv and find more resources at becomingme.tv.